What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves are going to the NLCS for the second consecutive year. Wow. And we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, black ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Uh, pretty damn good, Graham. Sure. Pretty damn well, I should say, I suppose. If we're going to speak properly on this podcast. We do that all the time. Every now and then. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Like... We're in the NLCS two years in a row, and there's actually fans in the stadiums this time to enjoy it. Yes, very excited. Including us. <laughs> yeah, we went to game three, right? Three, yeah. We went to game three. Yep, yep. Uh, no, it's awesome to sit here on October 14th and have a happy show and uh, looking forward to some very real potential uh, winning possibilities. So yes. I'm excited to sit here and recap the past week with you, Graham. And also, to never heard you so so happy. This is the happiest you've been since. I think you might be, Adam. I don't think you're as happy as you were when the Falcons beat the Giants in one of the worst <laughs> football games ever played. But it's pretty damn close. Well, you got to think that the last like five days of Atlanta sports, five six days have been incredible. Like, really, Friday was the only bummer losing game one. That wasn't a very fun game to watch. Uh, but then starting Saturday, we go to ex intern Jared's apartment. And watched Max Freed just dominate. It's nice of him to let us come back after firing him. I mean, what? What? That's some, that's some class well, right he, there. He's trying to win his job back. Oh, already. okay, that's yeah, what yeah, it is. All right. Exactly. So he he thought he'd host a, host us for an Atlanta sports event and kind of mm. rebuild everything he's lost. We'll see how he does. Yeah. So that was great. Just high fiving left and right, and then we go to the game three, which I think it's complete. It's just wrong for Major League Baseball. So, like, we initially bought tickets to Game 3 not knowing what time it was. The game was going to be, that is. And we knew it was a very possibility it would be a day game, right? Right. But for it to be freaking, like, midnight the night before the game and still not know what time that game is going to be is ridiculous because they were waiting on the results of the White Sox and Astros. Like, that's that's wrong for the team and it's wrong for all the fans that spent good money to go to these games to like you know we're working our days around that and i, th- I just think that's very wrong graham it's yeah especially when you're, especially when you're making like the commitment when you don't live next to the stadium to be like we're going to truest park we will be there for like seven hours um please let us know when the the freaking game is also i don't really understand the rationale of saying you know let's be honest the majority of well no everybody who is a fan of baseball is either an adult or reliant on an adult to get them to the game in some respect, right? So they're a human being? They're a human being. Are they not? They're not beasts. They're not birds. They're well, not insects. Well, no. Well, they're, there's children that are fans that might not have an adult to get them to a game. Right, but if they're going to go. Got it. They would that's, that's vague, probably yeah. need a, an adult, right? So I think these kids these days now Uber as well on their own. Okay, they can Uber fine. The vast majority of people need an adult or are an adult sure, to get to the game. So why are we starting a playoff game when you want to feature your product in front of as many people as possible at one for people to go to the game or watch the game? That creates, to me, less of an incentive to go to the game or the inability to go to the game because of you know being a person in the world. And it prevents a lot of people from being able to watch the game or listen to the game on the radio because it's at 1 o'clock. I do not understand this bullshit from baseball. How about this? Here's a suggestion I have. Stagger the games. 
National League and the American League. Say, National League plays on, just throwing this out there, Thursday. American League plays Friday. National League plays Saturday. American League plays Sunday. Then you can start games at seven, the East Coast game, or the Central game can start at 7, 6 Central, and the West Coast game can start at 10, so you, 7 Pacific. So you propose an off day after every single game? Yes, which I know is a little counter. drag it out for another like week or two. Yeah, which you know inherently isn't great, but it also means that you're not going to be inconvenienced by a 1 p.m. start time, which is just ridiculous. The, the ironic thing about it all was was a, I had a great time. Sure, minus minus the fact it was the weirdest Monday of my life because it was actually like pretty busy at work and I was just going through my normal Monday stuff and like people are emailing me about just like normal Monday things and I'm like, what are you doing? Sending me emails like. Are you not going to the Braves game in like forty-five minutes? The like, hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't understand people just mulling around. Like there's playoff baseball to play, big game, Grant. Yeah, big game. So thank Christ I didn't have to worry about that since I'm not working at this, this hey, point in time. It, it was no problems for you. So yeah. that worked that worked <laughs> out great. Um, but awesome. I mean, we ended up having a great day out of it. It was actually really nice being home. Yeah, by like five thirty or six or what wherever it was but the ironic thing about it all was that the game that we got flexed for the white Sox and astros gets rained out anyway so we could have played at four you know right it was so clear that the braves brewers was going to be better baseball than the white Sox astros like the white Sox weren't ready for that well i mean you can't base uh I mean, you can't you can't base scheduling on like if a team is good or not. I mean, they're in the playoffs. That that's exactly how you base the scheduling. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're saying that game should have been one o'clock because it's not as good of a series. Yeah, like the Braves Brewers were a better matchup than the White Sox yeah. and the Astros. You never see a better the, TV. You never see the More West eyeballs. Coast teams playing at like one, one, like one that. their time. Do do they? Did that ever happen? Damn, Red Sox played every game at like seven o'clock. Yeah, it's it's very unfair. It's but stupid. It doesn't matter, Graham, because we're we're gonna be all primetime games now. Yeah, you can't really f- uh, fight about the uh, the NLCS at this point in terms of when it's happening. And I, uh, yeah, it's let's let's dive into this series though before we jump to that and really break this thing down. So game one was as we expected a pitcher's duel. Um, Corbin Burns was as good as advertised. So was Charlie Morton, though. They were both they both pitched really well. And then we get to what was it, the seventh inning? Yep. And your boy, or who I said was going to be the postseason hero for the Brewers, and I guess he was for them, even though they were eliminated. Rowdy Telez. Rowdy Rowdy Telez. If you go back to the last episode, I said he's going to be a postseason. He looks like a postseason hero, just some big burly guy who could pass, you know, as a Brewer in Milwaukee as opposed to. And Milwaukee Brewer. Yeah, just eats bratwurst and beer every day. Yeah. Um, just like his friend Dan Vogelbach. Goddamn, Dan, Daniel Vogelbach. Like you were the, very scared of him. The, oh, yeah. I mean, as we should have been. Like, those are just classic brew crew guys that, like, they don't really have a real position. They'll throw them at first base. But you do not want to see him no. coming up in a pinch hit opportunity. Absolutely not. I mean... I was more intimidated of Rowdy Telez than I was of Christian Yelich. But let's 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 jump back to, to game one. Game one, Graham. Right. So Troy Morton has a shall we say an eventful sixth inning where he's allowing some base runners, some walks, he gets out of it. 
But Snicker makes the decision to put him back in the seventh after a, a relatively shaky sixth inning. Uh, what were your thoughts going or what are your thoughts about that decision sending Morton out after he struggled in one inning, although he had been lights out the previous five innings? Well, remind me of what the struggle was. It was like he gave up one hit. He gave a hit and then he gave up, he gave up like a double and a walk, but he got out of it. Yeah. I think. I think it was two base runners. I I was certainly okay. In the moment, I know I said I was okay with putting him back out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can second guess it all day. But um it's Charlie Morton in the playoffs and he had thrown like what, like seventy something pitches at that point in I time? Think it was a little more, but yeah, it was it was under a well, ended up with eighty five for the day. So going oh, so I go, guess you're right. Going probably, into the seventh. Right. So yeah, you I mean, you, you trust your veteran in that scenario. I don't think, like, people were crucifying Snip for that. I can understand being, like, you know, shaky inning. You, maybe you want to take him out. But I can also get the rationale for saying he's a horse. He's been pitching really well, except for that one inning. Maybe he just, you know, he's getting his shit together again, and we should be fine. You know, at the end of the day, that really wasn't the thing that really screwed that game up. It was, once again, the, which was a recurring theme in the series, unfortunately, that needs to be cleaned up. Bad base running by the Braves. Mm-hmm. We had, in the first inning, we really worked the count against Burns. You know what? I completely blacked out that first inning of game one. Yeah, because it was so bad. Until you mentioned that. You know, Jorge Soler works a walk. Freddie Freeman works a walk. It was it was looking great. Soler gets to third, I believe, on a sacrifice fly, if memory serves. And then, um, for some reason, ball hit to first base, and instead of you know, watching the ball and seeing where it's going to go. So Air just takes off, doesn't even look at it. He sees it's on the ground. He just runs. Well, this was Ozzy. So there wasn't a sack fly. I think there might have been a pass ball or something. Because Solaire and Freeman both walked. Oh, you're right. Ozzy was third. Yeah, there's some, something that happened. Yeah, I think it was a pass ball that got Solaire to third. You're right. And so then, Ozzy swinging first pitch. No, it was second pitch. This is the other thing that pissed me off is that he walked two guys. Ozzy watches the first one very smartly and swings at a pitch inside that jams him when he should have been taken all the way. Bad plate discipline by Ozzy there. And then he grounds it first. Soler runs like a maniac, gets hosed at home. Uh, Telez steps on first, throws home. Before you know it, they're two outs. And uh, we didn't score. And what should have been, you know, a prime run scoring opportunity. Just a terrible turn of events, though. It was like, if, if it goes anywhere except right to the first baseman... They try to turn two and we get one or something like that. Right, or, or third. But pretty much if it's a hit to the second baseman, it's a run scored. Yeah, for sure. yeah. It's so, just, but, but it was like a, certainly a huge uh, a bummer, if you will. Yeah. Because we were starting to feel all this momentum, thinking, hey, we're going to get off to a good start against their ace. Like, you got to get them in the first inning. Yeah. And then it's just like the balloon got popped. Yeah. Now, I know we had a disagreement about this when we were watching the game, but now that, you know, hindsight as as – uh, graced us, I guess. Now that we can look back on this after a series win, were you? Are you still in your craw about that? Or you weren't really in your craw about that that much. I was definitely well, in my craw he, about it. The scenario is like if he doesn't go, it's the easiest double play in the world, and then you would just have a runner on third and two outs. Yeah, which is fine. I'd rather have that. What I don't think there's that big of a difference between runner on third and two outs and runner on second and two outs. I think more things can happen that can allow you to score. It's also easier to score from third on a base hit than it is from second. Like, let's say it's a rocket hit to center field, but... But two outs, you're running on contact. Like, I I don't deny that, yes, it's obviously easier to score from third, but the risk-reward isn't... I don't think it's as 
broad as you were making it out to be. I still think it was just a bad decision. Like you just don't you don't you don't have to run from third if you don't have to. Like, but you recognize what would have happened otherwise, right? Yeah, I recognize. Would still it. been two. I still think outs. it's far more advantageous to be having a guy at third, and that's where to me the buck stops in terms of the argument, because I'd rather have a guy at third than a guy at second. At the end of the day. But you're giving up the possibility of scoring a run as well. That's fine because he was going to get hosed because he hit right to the first baseman. That's the thing that pisses me off. It's like it's so clear that the chances of you getting hosed at home are pretty great at that point. The only way it could be even greater is if it was hit to third base. So that's that's I, I still feel the way I feel about. Yeah, it. I don't I don't think it's as egregious as it's not as bad initial. as running from third when the ball is hit to third. I would agree with that, but it's still it's epidemic in baseball apparently. The Brewers did it as well. Um, you know, they didn't have to run from third in game three. It was hit right to Austin Riley, and this guy gets caught in a pickle. And it's like, just just stay, go back to the base. It's just so, it's it's insane to me, these people. And we'll yeah. talk about Adam Duvall in a second. I mean, he he blew the doors off the hinges in terms of bad base running in this series. Like, you can debate maybe the third, running from third, from first, or from third, but you can't debate what Adam Duvall did. We'll get into that in a little bit. I can't wait for that discussion. Greg. Yeah, but anyway... Um, so that after that we couldn't generate any offense at all, and then Rowdy Telez hits the home run in the seventh, chases Charlie Morton, bullpen does its job, keeps us in the game, um, and then you could argue he was the postseason hero, uh, series MVP potentially. Jack Peterson gets a huge home run, I believe it was in the, the eighth inning, and um, makes it two to one. Yep, and pinch hit. You know, against their their venerable bullpen, and we threatened in the ninth, get a couple of guys on, and uh, Arcia was selected to be the uh, next pinch hitter. He couldn't come through. He's good at bat though, and um, so we go down one to nothing. You were not feeling good about life at that point, huh? No, no. But I also recognized just watching how the Brewers were putting their at bats together. I was like. Yeah, you know, I'm not really scared of this. Like offense, I said, yeah. like I, like we said on the preview show, their offense is is very is trash. Yeah, um, and and they have a worse approach to the plate than we do. So I felt like if we can just get to Woodruff a little bit, we'll be okay. A very important thing that happened in that ninth inning, though, was Freddie's at bat against Hater, where he forced a walk, but you could just tell he was seeing the ball very well mm-hmm. off of him. And, uh, you know, that's a little foreshadowing to what would happen later in this series. But the way he was, he fouled off a couple two-strike fastballs and then was able to work the walk. Like, it was, it was like, okay, this guy, this guy's human, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been, he's arguably the best closer in the game. If not, you know, if he's not the best, he's top three. I mean, he's he's an absolute freak, this guy. Oh, yeah, he's great. He, he cuts him up, chews him up, spits him out. He's like Dan Campbell. The Lions coach, he's taking bites out of kneecaps, except he doesn't get knocked down. He's, like, unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, so it was a great at-bat by Freddie, no doubt. And um, so we get to game two, Adam. And honestly, the weird part about watching this postseason for me so far has been just, like, thinking about, and we, we, we talked about this last week, thinking about all the bullshit that the Braves have gone through all year, all the injuries, the loss of personnel, um, and still being in this position. A team – that didn't hit 500 until August. Right. And it's like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to get as worked up as I would say last year when we had that lineup that was just top to bottom amazing. Um 
you know, it's like, it's just, I'm like, my expectations are just a little lower just because of the kind of season it's been. I'm not saying I don't care or that I'm not invested or I don't want them to win. It's just like, if they don't, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, throw a hissy fit. You, you could certainly argue, though, at this point, because of all the adversity this team has been through, that even without Acuna, this is a better team than last year's team that made the made it to Game 7 because of the p- starting pitching. The starting pitching we, we have three, is three, It's I mean, it's so much better. And the defense is better. Yeah. I think the defense is better, and the starting pitching is way better than it, than it was last and year. And now that the bullpen's really, like, getting into form, and, like, these guys can just, like – you know, with all the guys they missed this year, and like we're jumping ahead here, but Soler going out before game five, game five, it's game four or game four. You lose them an hour before first pitch, and it's like, okay, that's fine. We, we've dealt with stuff like this before. We got another guy to plug in. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a very tight knit. I mean, it's always been a good clubhouse under Snip, but like this team has just been through so much shit and overcome it to get to this point. Like they're. They're cruising, Graham. Yeah, no, they're they're looking good. But your point overall is that you would feel the devastation even more if they were to to fail this series. I'm thinking, right? Because of the adversity they've gone through, I've been like, oh, it's just another punch to the gut kind of thing. Uh, I, I mean, I guess it also. I, I I'll agree with you there that it, it kind of feels like house money at this point. Yeah, that's kind of my attitude yeah. towards it. It's not like we don't want them to kick ass or win the whole damn thing. It's, it's a just, little lighter feeling though. Yes. You don't, you don't have this, this incredible, like I felt like last year I had this incredible, even though the Dodgers were favored, it was like this incredible weight on my shoulder. The whole time I was watching the dot, the game seven, I was like, I'm about to have a panic attack on every fucking pitch. Like this is unbearable. You're just squeezing coal, trying to make diamonds. I didn't get that feeling. On... Oh, that's a great expression. <laughs> Thanks, Graham. I didn't get that feeling until Will Smith came in and gave four. Mm. I, I like couldn't sit down anymore. And I, just, <laughs> I stood up and just picked up my darts and was just throwing them at the. I, I threw the best darts of my life. I tell you, I was just like aiming 15, 15, 15, 16, 16, 16. Wow. It was like I could not handle the pressure. But like last year, I agree. That was every single playoff game that was like that. But it was also like all the playoff games were back to back to back. You got to remember that they, they weren't off days. No. So like last year, the NLDS was what in Houston? Yeah, in front or, of the cardboard. Yeah, or even the wild wild card game or wild card round or whatever it's called was here too. The, that was the, here. The Red but, series. Yeah, it was, but there was no one. You no forget one how like that seems so recent ago, but also like so so long ago at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird weird thing. So we get to game two, and we got Max Freed going, and I was uh, I liked our approach at the plate in this game. We're still making Woodruff throw pitches, and we got to him in the third. And so Solaire gets on base. I think he got a double. Freddie knocks him in with a single. Then Ozzy comes up with a with a beautiful double to right field, which almost was a home run. It scores Freddie. And then in the sixth, Austin Rally hit a crazy opposite field home run that did not look like a home run at all. I believe you were on a liquor run. At the I was time, on a right? liquor run uh, <laughs> right down the street. I was like, I'm going to run out of vodka. I need to get some more vodka. And I'm walking back. Uh, I'm walking to the uh, liquor store in my Ozzy Albies jersey. And this guy on a motorcycle right next to uh, Manuel's was like, bro, still winning? And I was like, do nothing, man. He's like, yeah. He's like this old guy on a motorcycle. And then I uh, get my, my my vodka. I'm coming back. I check the athletic. And I'm like, oh, Austin Rally, deep home run. And I called you, and you were very animated about it. It's like, this shouldn't have been a home run, bro. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. It just kept going. Yeah, it is, it is odd how maybe something about that stadium, like we just couldn't read 
any balls that no. were hit. Like even that, the Jack Peterson home run in game one looked like I was like, that's a nice single to left field, I guess. It just keeps carrying. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know what it was, but like Austin's was just crushed. Yeah. And that, the fact that it was Oppo against a really good pitcher was was excellent. And Max Fried, I mean, he's been Bulldog. Argu- arguably the best pitcher in the game since since the break. Uh goes six innings, walks no one, strikes out nine. And only 81 pitches. I mean, it was it was a brilliant performance. I wish he would have kept pitching, but you can't argue with how good the bullpen's been recently. I mean, they uh, they each walked a guy, and they made it interesting, especially Matzik. But they got it done, and um, the Brewers' offense just pathetic the whole day again. I mean, you look at these lines for this guy, or for these guys. I mean, it was just like the only guy who had multiple hits was. Uh, Urias and that guy was great. Yeah, all series yeah. defensively as well. Mm-hmm. He, he was really clutch for he them. Made some huge plays. But like Colton Wong sucked this whole series. Uh, Christian Yelich was terrible. Uh, obviously, El Garcia wasn't very good. Um, Adamus wasn't very good either, and he he was their best offensive Adamus, player. Adamus, Adamus, excuse Adamus. me. Uh, he wasn't very good either. I mean, it was just I don't know if it was. I think it was a combination. Of the Brewers' offense isn't great, and our pitching was also very good. But they had they had a number of opportunities and and against the bullpen in this game. This is the shakiest game I think by the bullpen. They they all allowed, uh, you know, multiple base runners, uh, each inning. But they they bore down. They thrive on stress. I'm not going to try to argue about Will Smith anymore. Um, it, it's just it's just stupid to to do it. I mean, the guy just finds a way. He he throws all analytics out the window and his stuff, even though he's still allowing some base runners. This looks so much better than it did like at the end of August or even early September. Did you see on his last strikeout of the series against Yelich? That was the first time all year that he didn't do a leg kick. I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, he just like perfect slider and he just did like just to throw him off his timing even more, which is he's. The guy's got balls. No, yeah. At the end of the day, no one would say he doesn't. Yeah, it's like who, who tries that? For like the biggest pitch of the year, yeah, it was uh, that was a fun night. You felt like you felt this is like the most confident I felt after that game, just in the sense of like this Brewers offense just isn't. They're just not waking up here. I mean, this was the chance for them to put us down, put us in an elimination scenario. Going back to Atlanta, they kind of do it, and uh, that said a lot to me about sort of not like they weren't into the game or trying, but it's just like their approach just like. I mean, I'm sort of just regurgitating the same thing, but you just saw it at bat after at bat after at bat. They were getting dominated by by Max. Yeah, if Yelich were the same guy he were a couple years ago, I think that lineup probably looks a lot different. Well, yeah, they it's a little more threatening. Um, I think Yelich only had three uh, three hits in the series, and he actually this is probably one of the better games he had had a walk in a, in a single. But it's still, it's not like this is a far cry from the. MVP of 2018, or even the almost MVP of 2019. I'm telling you, they should have started my boy uh, on base, Jace. We could not get that guy out, dude. Every time he came up, the series it was uh, it was either a hit or a walk. Yeah, he got on base every. We single couldn't time. throw strikes to him. No, um, he, he he had a good series for the limited maybe he action could, he saw. Maybe he could have been their jock if they'd uh, just trusted him a little more. Yeah, maybe. So then we get to game three, the game we went to, which was fun. Uh, we had. Um, good seats, section two forty one, with uh, sometimes correspondent Joseph and Veronica. That was a good time, and uh, so this was uh, a game that was a l- that was that was a little scary uh, to me. 
And this was a game to you know where Dansby Swanson in particular was the hero on defense. Might have been the I mean I know Jock hit the home run, but Dansby saved the damn game. The Brewers were actually I thought their approach in this game was a little better. The scoreboard doesn't bear it out. They hit a lot of balls really hard, and Dansby had two huge plays. Um, one where he made an amazing diving stop when there was a guy on third and still got the guy out um, at first, and the guy at third didn't score. And then he made an amazing inning-ending double play. I believe it was the eighth inning, either the seventh or the eighth inning, where he gets the ball up the middle, Runs to second, steps on it, midair, jump yeah, to first. That was, that was awesome. Man. I mean, that was. I mean, without those plays, yeah, that was we could game. be talking about a very different outcome of this game. Like Ian Anderson was good, but he was starting to get hit, particularly in that fifth inning. Like it, it, it was, it was scary. Um, so yeah, was, Dansby was was the hero of that game to me. Yeah, it was second and third, nobody out, and that's where Dansby made that huge play. Mm-hmm. Got the out at first, unreal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the defense certainly won out in that game. Um, yeah, jo- Jock was the big hero. Like, yeah, offensively un- for sure, un- unbelievable. Uh, and then the the huge the other huge factor was them pulling Peralta for that pinch hit opportunity in the fifth inning. Well, you- it, it was in that same situation. So if Dansby doesn't make that play, if that gets through, they probably don't bring in the pinch hitter and let Peralta go a couple more innings. And we we got the three runs off Hauser the very next inning. Right. So like that Dansby play, like you're right on it. Like that was massive yeah changes everything right and like there are a number and then there are other hard hit balls there's a ball hit to freddie i can't remember if this ended the game or not but it was a line drive it was like it was right to him but i mean bat speed must have been over i mean the the bat off the ball speed must have been at least 100 miles an hour i mean smoked it i mean this this defense is unreal and I, i think even though jock was fantastic that was a great at bat he had i think he worked at least a two two count if not three two Drives a drives a ball right into the chop house. I mean, he just absolutely slaughtered this pitch. It was the same guy he hit the home run off of in game one, too. Such a cool moment being there yeah. for that as well. Like, that was almost as good as the Acuna Grand Slam in 2018. Yeah, I mean, they're both epic moments for sure in Braves history. Just completely, completely changed the trajectory of that yeah. game. And we, you felt we were like... nervous. Well, we felt like shit because early on... Was it the first inning or the second inning? It was the, the, it was the second inning. Second inning. We got guys on first and third, I think, right? Yeah, first and third. One out. One out. Travis Starr knows up. The guy on uh, the guy on first is Adam Duvall. I can't remember who was on third. But Riley. It was Riley, okay. So Darno comes up, hits a quintessential sacrifice fly. Not to the warning track, not too shallow, you know, right where there's no chance in hell you're going to get the guy from third. So everybody's, like, standing up, starting to applaud. You know, the ball is taking its sweet freaking time. It, like, hung up there like one of those punts from uh, the Tennessee Titans punter that you love so much. Just stayed up there forever. Yelich finally catches it. We see Austin Riley run to home. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, for some reason, Adam Duvall thinks it's a smart idea to tag from first base in this scenario. When, and there's there's one out, and he is thrown out at second to prevent that run from scoring because the out was made before Austin Riley could cross the plate. Yeah, like half a second. And therefore, uh, no run is scored. And it's just a huge opportunity squandered. Um, once again, just a bad base running. This was a lot more egregious than the solo. No, no, thing. Th- th- yeah, this is this is indefensible. There there is no defense of that. Like absolutely atrocious. There's just do nothing. Yeah, just go. 
go back to first base. Yeah. Go back to first base. Yeah, I think in that scenario, you maybe trot out in case there's some chance that he drops, drops it, it yeah. and then go back. The only reason I can see to tag from first, if there's a ball hit really deep and you're desperate to score a run and you're like, I think I can make it if the ball is like at the warning track. I can get to second base. Other than that, your ass does not be doing yeah, anything. Particularly when there's a guy at third base who's the important run. Yeah, that would have made it one nothing, and, and I'm telling you, that took the energy out of the stadium. Graham here had to leave for like, you were gone for a couple of innings. I, I think it was also I was like an inning and a half or something. Yeah, you were in lines for a while. Well, yeah, I got up. I I I, I was already standing up. I screamed once. I went Bap! and then just walked away. I remember you're trying to say something. I just I just walked away. I was like, I'm going to go on the most profanity laced tirade. Yeah, I think that was ever. good for, good for all parties. Yeah, and so I just I left. I walked around for like a minute. It was just like just like shouting and cursing and stuff and i was like might as well get a drink and some food because it's lunchtime i got held up in a very unfair line but no one wants to hear about that anyway i think we've pretty much covered this game but um the duval stuff lingered quite large to me even though we won and the defense lingered quite large to me um once again dansby swanson savior of the game and then once again that trio of matzik jackson will smith Shut it down, seven, eight, nine. Yep, they still um, Natsik and Jackson still allowed a, a, a base runner each. Jackson actually allowed two. It's a little hairy, but they got out of it. Will Smith did not allow any base runners, which was highly refreshing and greatly appreciated. Yes, there was some loser in front of us at that game that was like invested his entire Monday afternoon. You know, probably seventy-five to hundred dollars for the ticket. And then leaves before at the bottom. Like once we get to the top of the ninth, he leaves and he says, "I can't watch Will Smith pitch." Oh, I think it was before that. I think it was the bottom of the eighth. I think he left at the bottom of the eighth. Yeah, yeah. Like he was gone for a while. But like I heard him say, "It's because of Will Smith." Yeah, it's like right. It's like, dude, come on. You're at the game. You have to know he's going to pitch. Probably. Yeah, you gotta you gotta deal with it. Yeah. Is it more fun for you to like sulk and be a loser? Yeah, be outside the stadium in your car. Right. Walk, you know, being stuck in traffic for like two hours. I mean, we're gonna all gonna be stuck in traffic, but at least watch the end of the game. Right, right. So that's pathetic. Bad, bad fan, bad fan, bad fan. Yes. All right, so Adam, we're up two games to one at this point. You're feeling pretty good heading into game number four. We also heard, I think, the morning of the game that Charlie Morton was going to pitch on short rest, which I thought was the right move, even though he didn't pitch that well. It was kind of like, well, what are you gonna do? You could do the whole Jesse Chavez thing. You could do, uh, you could start mentor and try to do that crazy bullpen thing that we did against the Dodgers. You could even make the argument start Huasker if you wanted to. But I felt like going into the game, not knowing what was going to happen, who do you feel like gives you a great chance to win, even if he's not going to throw more than three or four innings? Charlie Morton. Um, so I, I approved of the move. I mean, Morton could have given up 15 runs. I would have approved of the move. I think it was the right move, the right call for sure, to, to, to make that decision. I was certainly second-guessing it in that first inning where you could just tell he didn't have his stuff and they had a couple runners on. Yeah, but I mean, I mean... that play Austin Riley made, the barehanded play... Oh, yeah, beautiful. That was also massive to get out of that unscathed. But going into the game, what would your decision have been, not knowing what was going to happen? I was on the fence, man. I was on the fence. I know you guys were all pushing for Morton and were just going to lambast Snit if he went any other route. But... I've seen I've seen good stuff from that Chavez Smiley combination to get you through the first three or four innings. Drew Smiley wasn't used at all. I know. 
but I like I like the it was like this big you know this this big cojones swagger I felt like to say we're going with our guy to try no, and I, kill I, you all I, I I totally get it yeah. um you I don't know if there was a right answer like yeah I could I could go either way on that mm-hmm. one um but sure after seeing you it's like yeah I don't I don't know if he gets out of that first inning trouble you know right right and Charlie wasn't great I mean let's be honest um you know 3.1 innings pitch four hits a walk two runs struck out five it wasn't like horrible you didn't feel like the game was over and some you know some of those runs i believe came off of uh when chavez was pitching right yeah yeah chavez came in and gave up a hit yeah even though it was charlie's run right um so you know the fourth and fifth thing were very exciting you know the brewers score two runs in the top of the fourth we answer with two runs in the bottom of the fourth then they score two runs on a rally to home run in the fifth we answered with two runs in the fifth. Uh, it was a classic back-and-forth game. The Brewers actually, you know, had much better approaches at the plate. They worked count. They were getting – they were scoring guys. They finally started to, to, to break through a little bit. You know, it, it, it was it was a weird game and also a, a huge move that Craig Council did not do. He said he was not going to pitch Corbin Burns on short rest. He said that was out of the, the, the question for him. Um, you got to wonder what it would have been like if he had pitched. Not saying we lose or anything, but how would that have changed the dynamic? I don't know, man. I, I think it's. I mean, watching Morton, it's not easy for a guy to come back on short rest. Maybe Corbin Burns can do it better than Morton could because he's a lot younger than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lauer looked pretty good for the most part. Ran, ran into some issues there, but it's it's tough to say, man. I mean, it's like that Rosario pinch hit at bat it's in the like fourth one, inning. Yeah. Once Snit pulled like so many, pushed so many correct buttons this series he did he did i think what was interesting to me you know if i was in his shoes if i had found out about jorge soler testing positive for covid and not be able to play in the game i would have said immediately okay eddie rosario and jack peterson are starting he he saves rosario to be the first pinch hitter in a critical situation which is very smart he starts heredia instead and then leaves rosario in the rest of the game pinches heredia does a double switch i thought that was brilliant managing in the sense that you have Rosario ready to go in a big situation. He came through. Yeah. You know, if he hadn't come through, I've said, you know, fair decision. Um, Amp up the defense with Heredia in center. Yeah. And it was also just, you know, you, you got to have a guy to go to that you're going to trust as, uh, as your biggest pinch hitter. And we, and we did. Um, so yeah, huge, huge by Rosario to get that hit. Um, yeah, then we score off the Jack Peterson fielder's choice. Um, and then Darno hits a crucial single on a breaking pitch to the opposite field to score Austin Riley. But we couldn't get any more runs after that. But it was a great back-and-forth game. I and mean, this, this was the best game of the series to me. There was a little more offense. I mean, you love a pitcher's duel, but you also like to see a balance between offense and, and good pitching. And then everybody kind of goes dormant for, for a couple innings. Um, one thing I thought that was an interesting decision by – um, council was leave uh, that Ashby kid who was the nephew of Andy Ashby. I found out the old Padres pitcher. Mm-hmm. He left him in, I think, too long. Yeah, uh, he started to get hit a lot, and they they waited too long to go to Woodruff. Um, I thought that potentially lost the game for the Brewers, even though the kid was you know pitching well. He wasn't exactly getting you know shellacked or anything, but he wasn't pitching well enough to warrant staying in a, an elimination game. I don't think so. I mean, shout out to Craig Council for helping us win that game. 
Yeah, and Greg Counselor is he's Mr. Sabermetrics. Everyone always raves about how he's the best manager in the game, but he made some he made some uh, kind of poor decisions this whole series. Yeah, questionable on Ashby. I mean, that to me that that potentially lost them. I mean, they were they were still it was still tied. That let us get back into the game, I think. And Woodruff looked really good. Like he Oh yeah. I'm su- I'm surprised they didn't keep him in for the 8th as well. Well, I understand the rationale behind it. You have Freddie Freeman coming up. You don't want to pull a Freddie Gonzalez and have Kimbrel in the bullpen with David Carpenter out there. No. And I, I mean, I think it was the right decision to go to Hater there even though it didn't work out. It's like where are the odds that that you know, especially after how dominant he looked against uh whoever it was, Swanson and uh I can't remember who pinch hit before for Dansby, but I mean, he just obliterated poor uh who was it, Adam? Wasn't it Rosario that no. he got as well? No. Oh, our, our, let's see here. I think it was someone else. I don't know. No, Rosario yeah, it was Rosario. Rosario was he was double switch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he just crushed Rosario and Dansby. And so then you're like, well, well, good God. Um, it's not looking good, even with Freddie coming up. And you look, I mean, there's a great article that we're just going to rip some stats off of from uh, Jason Stark. And um, Josh Hader versus left handed pitching. He's a 127 opponent batting average and a 193 uh, opponent slugging percentage uh, against him as a lefty. And it's just crazy. I mean, like, this this guy is un, unreal. And only one person ever hit a home run, only one left-hander ever hit a home run and 400 sliders thrown by Josh Hader, which was Cody Bellinger in 2019. So I mean, it's like the the odds that this is going to happen is is lunacy. And Freddie actually does have good numbers against Hater, and we saw the good at bat he had against him in Game One. Freddie hit a home run off a fastball to win a game in, on May eighteenth, twenty nineteen. But I don't think anybody thought that this was going to happen. That Freddie Freeman was going to, even though you wanted Freddie in that moment, who else would you want? But it's just like Hater just looked dialed in. He's he's one of the best there is, and somehow. Freddie jumps on a first pitch slider that was just hanging there, crushes it to left center field for the decisive blow. I mean, what a, what a moment! I I didn't know he got all of it, but I saw Freddie start look. I was watching his face. I was like, is he licking his chops? Once Freddie licks his chops, once he licks his chops, it's all over. Yeah, once that once that tongue is out, Graham and like I instantly said, that's that's the best moment of Freddie Freeman's career like so far. And but then I didn't realize how deep it really goes. So also from Jason Stark, the Braves have been playing baseball since 1876. As you know, Graham, the longest continuously operating franchise in uh, history, I suppose. That's worth putting on your entire uh, left to right field wall for three seasons. You're damn right it is, Graham. And in this entire history of the franchise, there have just been two times when anyone in a Braves uniform got a go-ahead hit to clinch any postseason series in the eighth inning or later. One was Francisco Cabrera to walk off the 92 NLCS when Sid slid. And the other one was Freddie Freeman on Tuesday. So it's just ridiculous. And against the best closer in the league, like, I think there's only been... Well, Freddie's the only left-handed hitter to ever hit two home runs off Josh Hader. Like, it just doesn't happen. And on the slider, he had seen that he threw three straight sliders to Rosario. He remembered his at-bat against him in game one that he was seeing him well and he was just looking for something up high and he got it 
Like it was basically just to get it across slider that Hader was throwing there. Yeah. Because like people people don't swing at that. Like the, you got to respect his fastball too much. Oh yeah, for sure. And also you you thought about like just how bad Dansby looked. Dansby looked like he had never swung a baseball bat in his life. I mean, I mean Dansby guessed wrong every time. You know. He did. It's like baseball hitting a baseball is hard. It's the, probably the hardest thing to do in sports. Like it's ridiculous. Like to hear Freddie, Freddie Freeman, one of the, I mean one of the top five greatest Braves. Ooh, that's a. I don't know. That's an interesting debate. We'd have to. We'll we'll dive into that in the offseason, I suppose. You could say he's a top ten best player in baseball right now. Like you could tell. Like he was genuinely. He didn't know how he did that. And you never see him react like that. Especially like we're only up one at this point, and he's like going nuts around the bases. He's high fiving. He curtain calls, which was awesome. Just an iconic moment. You could not have written it up better. You know what's the only thing that sucked about that was that TBS, right when Freddie comes out, decides to cut to these depressed looking brewers. At least on my feed. I don't know what happened on yours. I, I'm pretty sure we have the same feed. Okay. Well, <laughs> he like comes out, you see him about to lift his arms up, and it cuts to instead of enjoying the moment of the curtain uh, call, really they lame. cut to these sad looking brewers. And I was like, let me see Freddie curtain call, then cut to the sad looking brewers. You saw who pushed him out there? Uh no, I did not. Uh Heredia was the one that was, like, encouraging him to go do the curtain Oh, call. nice. I, I loved Heredia after he came out of the game, just sitting up there, just screaming at everybody from the from the dugout. He's, he's the new panda. He's a hell of a teammate, man. Yeah. And, like, you know, he, he's got some spunk. I mean, he's a great center fielder. We've seen him make some great plays out there. But, like, you know, he, he got hit. He almost had that huge, uh, the other Adam Duvall base running fiasco. Like, he almost dropped that in for oh, a huge hit. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. That happened yeah. again. But let's focus on Freddie uh, first, Fred, Yeah, Yeah, But, sure. like... Awesome for Freddie Freeman, like, and he, he spoke a lot about how great the crowds were in Atlanta, especially, you know, great fans like us coming out at 1 p.m. on a Monday and just how much it means to the team. And, uh, you know, Freddie's just such a great guy. Couldn't be happier for him. And, like, it was – the thought was in the back of my head. I was like, man, I would I wish Freddie would just connect with one here. But I never thought it was going to happen. Right. No one thought that was going to no. happen. No. It was like, I was case, like we're, we're going to the damn Best case scenario, thing. you work a walk off of him and hope he doesn't come back out for the ninth. Yeah. But it, yeah. Was, it was awesome. And then for Will Smith to shut it down after giving up that first um, first batter, getting a little blue pit off of him, and then just shuts it down after that, and boom, we don't have to worry. Like, game five would have been bad news. Going yeah. back to Milwaukee. Fully rested Burns versus fully rested Free. Would have been a hell of a game, but you do not like your chances. I don't want to watch that, Graham. No. No. I had no interest in watching a baseball game tonight. Besides I'll definitely watch the Giants that. Dodgers. I'll definitely watch that. I don't that. want to watch the Braves be a tonight, good game. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. I think um yeah, I just want to touch on the Duval thing again. So Heredia's up, hits a little blooper. Duval's on what, second? Yeah. Um Adam Duvall, once again, it's one out. Adam Duvall just takes off. Doesn't look at anything. Just runs home. It's like the kid in Angels on the outfield. Just just run home. Run home. He did not look where the ball was going. He just ran and ran and ran. And he gets doubled up. What the hell is going on with this guy? So there's two theories, Graham. One is that he forgot how many outs there were. And that's just ridiculous if that's the case. Two is that it was a double steal because Darno was also also took off and was standing at second. Me, so I was, think that's kind of likely. Well, here's my question. If it's a double steal, why did he run home? 
it's, I don't know, hit and run. You saw the ball hit up. It was like, you can clearly score off that if it I, drops in. I guess. Otherwise, you're screwed. It was, yeah, well, which is what happened. I mean, it's just such callous base running. Against better teams like the Dodgers and Giants, doing shit like that will lose a series for you. You're a real base running uh, stickler. Well, after game seven last year, was that the worst base running decision thank, thank, maybe of all time? Thank God it didn't matter. But the other thing is we almost had our next infield fly moment. On that ball, what was that oh. like the, the fourth or fifth? You forgot. You forgot about. I forgot all about that. it just because we won. So it's like I exactly. Know, we were like, just focusing on the positive here. Yeah. Um, who was it at? I, I don't remember. The I can't remember who was at bat. But there were runners on base, and we had a a pitch. Uh, so I think it was. It might have been Duvall. I can't remember who was up. Anyway, the point being, it was Duvall. Yeah, it was Duvall. So Duvall fouls into foul territory. The catcher runs over, tries to catch it. It goes off his glove. I think it was Urias, that, yeah. makes a hell of a play, tries to dive and catch the ball still in midair off of the catcher's glove. And it looked like in live action that he made the play. I was like, holy shit, what a play. Look at the replay, though. It clearly bounces. And then we, you know, Snicker wants to challenge it. Makes sense. Um, and then it doesn't get overturned. And not only does it get overturned, does it not get overturned, they, uh, they say that you can't review plays in the infield on a catch or not a catch or something like that, which is just, yeah, which, which the umpires on field did not know, which is just embarrassing for them. So yeah. they get the headsets on. Everyone sees the replay. It's so blatant. People are cheering. And then it's the quick uh, call. They're like, Oh, clearly safe. The Braves even announced it to the stadium. And right. then, and then I was like, that was too quick, man. And cause I, in my head, I was like, there's no way this gets overturned because there was like, honestly, I thought there was a little bit of doubt. Like, because the call on the field was catch, I was like, it's possible that rolled in his glove. I don't know. Like, I didn't think, knowing what we know about the current state of instant replay and that's in why baseball, you had that thought. But as an objective viewer, you knew that hit the fucking ground. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, no, as an objective viewer of Braves games this year, right. where those calls don't go our way, I was like, there, there's no chance. So I, was, I wasn't even thinking about it. But the fact that they put, they didn't know that that's a not reviewable play, and why it's not re- reviewable, who the hell knows? Like that's just silly. This re- like Ended. every other sport has Ended. figured it out, okay. But baseball just continuously flubs it. I mean, the fact that they didn't know the rules is ridiculous. No one knows that rule. Like, but as an umpire, you should know that rule. I'm right. not saying like Snicker, whatever. You're caught up in the heat of the moment. It's a good challenge. It should be a challengeable play. The like, fact that you don't know the one that's a, one that being a rule is stupid. Well, there's not like a single like knowledgeable like baseball writer or announcer. No one knows that rule no. except for who, one guy in New York who yeah just like oversees all this. But bullshit. You, you would think the umpires would know that. Like that's pathetic. On well, them. obviously they should have known that. Yeah, yeah but that, that's what makes it worse. But right, fortunately, and, and the fact that it is a rule that that exists is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You can challenge a catch in the outfield but not the infield. What is this? Like, it's like baseball is so stupid. DH in the American League, no DH in the National League. It'd be like, I can kick field goals in the NFC, but I can't in the AFC. It's just, what a, what a backwards sport in some respects. Fortunately, you know, it's not the thing we're talking about for the next 12 years. Oh, that would suck. You know, this morning, for some reason, I landed on the Wikipedia page of Steve Bartman. Oh, the, the guy who ruined the, the Cubs, what, 2003 yeah. uh, NLCS? That poor yeah. bastard, though. It's not his fault. No, I mean, you're caught up in the moment. All the fans are going for the same baseball. Oh, yeah. And then, like, everything that happened to the Cubs after that, it's like Alex Gonzalez makes an error. 
there's like a wild pitch. It's, and they gave up like seven runs in the inning. You can't put, put it on that poor bastard. No, but he, I mean, he was crucified. Uh, it, it's crazy metaphorically. how, as a baseball fan, though, you never forget. Like, we're never going to forget. The infield fly. The infield fly. No. Which is why Graham and I were given, when we were at the game, we were given the outfield umpire the business. Oh, yeah, the left like, field umpire. The yeah. most worthless job in America. Speaking of how baseball is stupid and arbitrary, why... In the most important games of the year, would you change everything up for what you do for the other 162 games of the year? Like outfit, like nothing but bad can come from having a guy out there. Like he's not going to see it better than the third base umpire. Well, that's the thing. Like, I can't think of a single situation, and, and like you could just tell this guy was like, "I shouldn't actually be here." Like, he was looking at center field a lot. He looked very self-conscious. Yeah. He probably heard us screaming at him. Yeah. And I'm just glad he did not affect the outcome of this series. Yeah. There was one call in that game three where it was uh, it was a it was a foul ball, I think, by Duvall again, where they all huddled together to decide whether or not it was a foul ball. It was like six umpires. And I was just screaming, how many umpires does it take to make one call? You're all worthless. Go home. Or something stupid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's pathetic. I, you, you let him know, Graham. You yeah. let him know. Yeah. That, if that's not insulting, I don't know what it is. Um, AJ Minter was absolutely possessed. One and a third innings pitch, three strikeouts, no base runners. I mean, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, anybody could have come up, any legend, any offensive just powerhouse in the history of baseball could have come up. No one was touching AJ Minter that night. Unfreaking real. It was like that NLCS game he started against the Dodgers where he was just striking everybody out. That was awesome. Yeah, it looks like we got playoff mentor back. It's wild his career, how he's like, we're like we've seen him be awesome from when he first came up, I think, in 2018, mm. and then just completely falls off the cliff. We think he's going to be out of baseball. He comes back and dominates in the playoffs last year, and then he was starting to get it going in September this year after having to spend more time in the minors this year. It's just wild. But playoff mentor is back, and something interesting about Luke Jackson that – I, I didn't know this until listening to uh, Dave O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty today. I guess Luke Jackson went on their podcast earlier this year. And in regards to his terrible season last year, to him, like, the adrenaline of the crowd makes a huge difference. For Luke? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, he said, like, for 2020, like... When he was so up bad. Yeah. That's, that had a lot to do with Interesting. it. Interesting. Like, it gets the adrenaline going just having the fans out there. Maybe, and, like, he showed up every single... Like, he gets out of it, man. Like, he's... So with Minter, Jackson, Matzik, and Smith, you feel pretty good if you can get through five. Yeah, you know, even Jesse Chavez looked good, looked great in Game Four. Uh, not Game Four, Game Three. He, grizzled veteran, man. By the time I got uh, my second margarita of the day, from literally the moment she started pouring it to the moment <laughs> it was poured, they were out of the inning. I was yeah. like, Jesus, eight, eight pitches. It was awesome. Yeah, I heard the dun dun. I was like, oh wow, <laughs> we got the inning. Excellent. It was my favorite inning. Yeah, um, super low stress. Yeah, and. I wanted Minter to keep going the rest of the inning. I mean, Jackson shut it down too, but I mean, AJ could have thrown another three or four batters the way he was pitching. Man, he was he was un un freaking real. Yeah, loved it. Matzik was brilliant. Will Smith was brilliant in the ninth. Um, he just made Christian Yelich his plaything. That devastating uh, slider he throws to righties, man. I love that pitch so much. When that pitch is working, he's working, and we're winning the game. Yeah, I mean, he's put it together at the right time. And it's you feel confident with all those guys coming out right now, which is I, I think I think I think we have a little bit of PTSD with Will Smith. Will we're, we're yeah. probably gonna, regardless of how good he's pitching, 
get a little nervous. It's always going to be in the but back of But it's the ninth mind. inning. Like, you feel nervous in the ninth inning no matter what. Right. Especially if it's only one run. I wasn't too concerned when he gave up that pinch hit. I was like, you know what? I've seen him do it enough. He's pitching well. I'm not going to get too nervous. I know you said you were pacing around throwing darts, but the, I, I felt pretty good. I was like, it's okay. This is part of the Will Smith experience. The dart thing works, though, man. I'm going to I'm gonna bring some darts over uh, Saturday night okay. just in case. Yeah. yeah, Graham and I are attempting. We have a conundrum where— Yeah, big-time problem. We have tickets to see Old Crow Medicine Show, which is good news. Like, we're sure. very excited about that. Yeah. The bad news is it happens to be the same day, and I'm sure it's going to be the exact same time. Yeah as this game one against either the Giants or Dodgers. We should try to convince Old Crow. Maybe we'll reach out to him on Twitter and say, can you guys move the time to like four? That'd be yeah. perfect. Go to the show, then four. watch the game. Man, that'd, that'd, be, be, that'd be great. That'd be a nice little Saturday. Yeah. So our plan that we're going to attempt in this year of 2021 where everyone has a cell phone and it can watch games on their cell phone, is we are, we're going black, Graham. Yeah. We're shutting them off. We're hoping... Like hell, there's not going to be TVs and a music venue because that wouldn't make sense. That doesn't <laughs> that doesn't promote people watching the band that they pay money to go to, and anyone will that we are with or interact with. Oh, maybe we need a sign. Don't says, talk about the Braves. This game. is actually a good idea. Hanging yeah. around our neck, a sign yeah. that says, "We're waiting until after this concert to watch the Braves game." Yeah. Don't talk to us. Yeah. Maybe just have a sign that says, "Don't talk to me." Don't say a fucking word. <laughs> that might make... I don't think people want to talk to us anyways. Right. But I feel like if we put a sign that says, says don't, don't talk to about, us, then they might want to talk to true. us. True. Or just say don't talk about the Braves game to us. Something like that. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to record the game. Hashtag watching it later. Shutting the phone down. Not listening to the radio. Hashtag Atlanta Zone. Hashtag Atlanta Zone. Um, and we're going to just yeah try to watch the game probably at like 11 till 2 a.m. or something. Yeah. It's going to be uh, an experience. It's going to be wild. You know what? Maybe, just like for your bachelor party, maybe I think I still have some more white t-shirts. We'll just mark them up with uh, some permanent marker. Oh, yeah. And I'll just express the message that way, and then we'll wear the same shirt. That's a good idea. I'm, I'm for that. And we'll put Atlanta Zone on the back. Right. All right. Last thing I want to talk about before we preview this NLCS, this is a big episode, yeah. is um, there's a great article written by uh, Mike Petrelio of MLB.com. It was posted by this guy, Bennett Hip, and retweeted by Scott Coleman, who's a great writer on uh, Talking Chop, about the secret to Atlanta's defensive turnaround. It's on our, our Twitter account at ATL's own sports, if you want to check it out. And uh, it breaks down in excruciating detail. We won't go over the whole thing, but just how much better the defense is because they have fully embraced the shift. Um, even going into this year, the Braves were only shifting, I don't know. It, it says that they were only shifting at the end of May 6%, 6% of the time. It fluctuated between anywhere between like 2 to 30 to 5 to 10. Two, it, was, it was 6% versus the Mets on May 19th. Next game, 64% against the Pirates on May 20th. And ever since then, the Braves' defense has gotten exponentially better at preventing runs. We talk about how well the um, the pitching staff has done this year. Well, let us not forget how good this this defense has been. So Braves through May 19th, 59.8% of grounders' liners were converted into outs. That was the sixth worst mark in all of baseball. 213 runs allowed, six most runs allowed in baseball since May 20th. 64.4% of grounders slash liners converted into outs. Best in baseball. 
443 runs allowed, second fewest. So this shift, there's a whole other bunch of stats in there, but that's the most important thing. This shift has been critical, or, or not just the shift, but the, the impetus to employ the shift more often has been critical in the reduction of runs for this baseball team. It's interesting that they would do it mid-year like that as well. You would think that would have been something implemented in spring training. I wonder uh, what caused that. Well, they, yeah, I wonder what caused that shift. Oh, yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, apparently there's a lot of talk between Walt Weiss, uh, the infielders, Ron Washington, and the uh, uh, the scouts in Alex Anthopoulos' office and Alex Anthopoulos himself about how can we stop this, you know, all these these uh, grounders from coming in. It's like, do more shifts. So everybody's getting shifted. We apparently shifted like 90% of the time against the Brewers uh, in this series. And, uh, and that's another reason why, you know, Dansby Swanson made all the great plays he did is because of he was – being pulled around and he's a great defender he's in the right position he's the right position based off the analytics and the braves have really embraced this so much and i really hope just for the sake of the game and a lot of purists and i would consider myself a baseball purist don't you know they don't like the shift some people are talking about we should outlaw the shift i remember rob manfred even said something like that but why hinder a team's ability to put themselves in a better position to make a play i mean it's, it's cool and then when it and when it then when it doesn't work it's like oh man they beat the shift it's exciting yeah. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, like every now and then it's frustrating when you're pitching and like you, some guy just hits a little dribbler that sneaks through, but you don't see that too often. And I guess you kind of just take for granted all the grounders that you field, like in the outfield, and right. you kind of just forget about the shift. So it's interesting that you're bringing some stats into this, Graham. I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, that's wild. I mean, it's, and you got to think where we were in May, where the bullpen was such crap. Yeah, and uh, we we're floundering a little bit. I'm sure they just needed something to jumpstart this team and like just help us tread water. And the defense has always been there, so that that kind of kept us in it and allowed us to be to this point. Yeah, I mean it's it's a gr- I highly recommend you read the whole thing. It's it's a great article. Like I said, it's on our Twitter at ATL Zone Sports if you want to check it out. But it's, it's fantastic. It's one of the best written sports articles I've I've read. Thorough, convincing, and also easy to digest, even for the simple man who doesn't really understand all these freaking advanced stats if you can't get what i just said i guess don't read it but you should be able to understand it you're all you're all relatively intelligent out there some people are more visual i'm more visual myself cram i kind of just blacked out when you were saying all your numbers but but i I heard like it went from somewhere like 50 something to 60 something so i understood that right and so that's a big a big jump went from sixth worst to best in terms of that that i get graham that that i get that's all you got i'll go back and read the article yeah that's all Um, you gotta know so we've been talking Braves for a while now. Yeah. Uh, so quickly, let's break down this. What do you want? Do you want the Dodgers? Do you want the Giants? I want to face the Giants for this simple reason. I think that the Giants basically, I mean, they're great. They won the most games in baseball. They have a good offense. I don't think they get as much credit as they, sh- they should get. They have a great staff. The good news is that tonight they throw um, – uh, Logan Webb, who I think is unquestionably their best pitcher, he blanked the Dodgers in Game 1. We wouldn't have to face him for Game 1. Yes, we would have to go on the road. We would have to go on the road, and we would not have home field advantage, whereas with the Dodgers, we would. But we would be facing guys like Kevin Gausman and Alex Wood. I'd rather be facing guys like Kevin Gausman and Alex Wood over Scherzer, even though I know he, we hit Scherzer well, and uh, you know Bueller and Urias. You know, those three are better than our our three-headed monster. And I think we have a much better chance against the Giants solely based on the pitching. Can um, you say that? Well, 
Can you say that definitively? That Urias, Bueller, and Scherzer are better than Morton, Freed, and Anderson? Hell yeah. So Scherzer's better than Morton? No, where it comes down to is a collective unit. You can't tell me that either. Right, Freed has been the best pitcher for the last well, three months. Let me say this. Together, as a unit, Morton, Freed, Anderson versus Bueller, Scherzer, or Urias. Yeah, I'll, I'll take those three on any day, Bo. So you would say that we have a better three-headed staff than the Dodgers? I think you can't say that. I think on any day, our three can be just as good as their three. I'm not saying that on any day. I'm just saying as, you know, as a staff, they have been dominant as hell this year. That's not to say that Freed and, and, and Morton haven't been, but Anderson isn't nearly as dominant as any one of those three pitchers. All those three guys could go be the ace on any team in baseball. So Anderson's the weak league. Yeah, Anderson, yeah, he is. Okay. You know. And I think that we just we, we crush the Giants uh, starting pitching. Like Di Scalfani, I'm not scared of him. Um, I don't even know if I said his name right. Gosman is not what he was at the beginning of the season. Alex Wood's a good pitcher, but he's not like, you know, an absolute beast or anything. Look, the Webb Web is, is, is a hoss. I don't want to deal with him. But I'd rather deal with him once or twice as opposed to having to deal with those three guys and Bueller, Scherzer, and freaking Urias. They are the, they are the damn best team to me still in baseball, even though they're the wild card. They are terrifying. We don't match up well with them. We are 10. We are 1-10 in 10 at Shavaz Ravine uh, in the last five years or three years or whatever. Uh, we do not play well against the Dodgers. The Dodgers kick our ass in the playoffs. I do not want to play them. I do not want to face them. Their, their, their mindset at the plate is unparalleled. Their pitching staff is excellent. Their bullpen's great. I don't want to touch them. And I feel like top to bottom, the Giants roster isn't as good as the Dodgers, even though they were better for one, one game this year. I don't want to – the Dodgers in the playoffs is a scary thing to me. We've seen this story three times before. I don't want to see it a fourth time. Yeah, you can make. I mean, we did take them to seven games last year, so I wouldn't say they kick our ass in the playoffs. But I agree. Last year we weren't playing in LA, and we do suck playing in LA. You can't deny that. Yeah, it's just so it is what it is. I also agree. I would rather play the Giants, and also because the the Dodgers bullpen is nastier than the Giants bullpen, and, and the rotation's better too. Like, but the Dodgers, I do think, are a little bit gettable without Kershaw. And without Muncie, but they're they're still ridiculously deep, and the Giants don't have Brandon Belt, which makes their offense a little bit weakened. Um, so it comes down to the home field versus. So if if we play the Dodgers, we're at home. If we play the Giants, we're on the road. But I honestly kind of like the idea of going on the road for the first two games because, like you said, we don't have Webb the first two games, mm-hmm. so we're putting our two aces on the road and if we can split that and then we get three straight games in Atlanta that's huge. Yeah, totally. And you got to feel great about Morton and Free or Freedom Morton lining up against Gausman and Wood however they want to use them. They're better than both those pitchers. So we could take Both a- of them are better. We could we could win two games. We could we could we could do this thing. We have a like to me we have a chance against the Giants. I don't think we have a, a prayer against the Dodgers. I think I, they're going to kill us. I, I don't I don't know how you could still like you always say that about our team. It's like Hey, I you said, don't think we have a prayer? Didn't no. You, say, you said that about the Brewers. Too. No, I didn't say we didn't have a prayer. I said it's going to be a very close series. I said it's going to go 5 games. I was wrong. So you think we're getting swept by the Dodgers? I think we would lose like 4 to 1. Even though the Giants beat the Dodgers in the, I think it's season. just a it's a matchup thing, Adam. It's a matchup thing for whatever reason. The Giants do match up well against the Dodgers. I think we match up a hell of a lot better against San Francisco than we do against LA. And I think that 
you yeah, know, the we, stats we, to back that. I I read an article today talking about how much our hitters line up better against the Dodgers because the Dodgers pitchers throw so many more fastballs versus the Giants. So like the matchups go both but, but, ways. But we played. I think we played San Francisco a lot better this year, wasn't it? Three three to three to three. Whereas the Dodgers, I think we were like two and four. Not that that's a huge. There difference. might have been a game difference, yeah. Because we won, we won the Dodgers game, or we won, we won the Dodgers series when it was here in Atlanta, and then we got destroyed by them. We we just don't play well, and we're not going to beat the Dodgers on the road. That's we, another. We thing. We don't play well in LA, so that's that's also just a huge factor to me. But but yeah, I mean, I understand the thing about the fastballs, but still, all the all those three pitchers terrify me. I'm the only guy I'm scared of on the Giants staff is is Webb. The problem also is with the series that we probably won't have Jorge Soler. Apparently, there's a 10 day protocol. Meaning that he would come back maybe if the NLCS went like ten or seven games, but maybe not, uh, which really sucks. So that really hurts our lineup, and I just feel like maybe it's just Dodgers PTSD. But I'm I'm am terrified of those guys. Mm. I do not like it. They're they're so deep. You know how good their mindset is in the postseason well, when they bat. I'll tell you, who's not scared of them. The Braves. Well, that's like, good. The guys on the team. Are you not admit scared of though them. that they own our ass. We took them to seven last year. We, we, we they won the, own our ass. Jock, Jock Peterson himself said that, like, we had them last year. Yeah, we year. did, but we didn't finish the job. Yeah, we didn't win the game. We didn't win the series. We're a game more, like, we're another, like, the years of experience in the playoffs are crucial. So like, Yeah, but they're a hell of a lot better for L.A. They've gone to the playoffs every year since 2012. Sure. They've been battling. They won the World Series last year. They've gone to the World Series three different times. They know how to win. Not to say we don't know how to win the playoffs. They know. You want to talk about playoff experience? They own, they really own our ass from that. They win the postseason. We just started winning again in the postseason. They've been doing it for ten years. And they've won one time in a weird, funky twenty twenty year. But they they go deep. We haven't. Go, this is the first time. The first time we've gone to consecutive NLCSs since ninety eight and ninety nine. They've been doing it every freaking year. So they know how to win a little bit more in the playoffs than we do. They have the upper hand in postseason experience. You're really scared of the Dodgers. Hell yeah. The proof's in the fucking pudding, man. They have the biggest payroll in baseball. They have a three-headed monster in the rotation. And they have the deepest roster in all the game. They're a scary-ass team. You don't want to mess with them at all. I don't want them. You couldn't pay me to play the Dodgers. You could put $500 in front of me and say, you could play the Dodgers. I would, I would spit on you. No freaking way. So you're not going to watch if we're... This, oh, I'll watch. We'll, we'll know in a few hours. Yeah, we will. I will definitely... I'm, I'm, hell, I'll go to... I'm probably going to go to game two if we, if we if we play the Dodgers. But I'm going to be freaking scared, man. I could see that. Yeah, guy. I'm scared right now just talking about them. Yeah. This is an intimidating bunch. It is. Who isn't nearly as depleted as we are uh, roster-wise. It has some injuries, but they can, they can replace people a little better than we can. Well, I mean... Kudos to and thought because honestly, like losing Solaire, it hurts. But when we traded for like four outfielders, it was like, what the hell are we doing? Traded for all these outfielders. You never know like, who else is going to go. Now you know why. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we can, we'll plug Jock in. So, like, do you do, do, do Jock? What's your outfield? Uh, you got to go Jock, Rosario, Duvall. Yes. I agree. Um, Duvall in center, Jock and right, I guess. Yeah. Rosario's out. Defense and left has been a little sketchy, but it hasn't killed us. But well, the good news is, if you get a lead, you can put Pache, you can put Heredia there um, to seal the deal. Yeah, I mean, like I said, don't like Jock is such a big factor having him in the playoffs and not playing against him with the Dodgers. They don't have damn Kiki Hernandez anymore either, which he's I'm, on Boston, which yeah. I'm happy about. Yeah. Um, so we got Jock and Charlie Morton. So these are this is a difference in the this year's team and last year's team. As also, well. Yeah. Also, as you mentioned, the rotation's infinitely better. Yeah, so um, 
I I think we can beat either team, but I would prefer the Giants. Okay. And Graham is obviously terrified of the Dodgers and might might need to go like get some psychological help. About I, I, I do. It's been a while since I've gone to therapy. I think I might need to schedule yeah, yeah. a session. Like you clearly have something like deep going on there, Graham. Well, they just man, I just hate the way they beat us. It just it upsets me. Going back to 2013. Sure, sure. Three sure. postseason exits. You can't compare like 2013. Like this is a different team. All right, like, well, two. You can with only, the same pretty much the same. You, core you can of only guys. compare. 2018 going forward. Okay, 20, 2018 and 2020. 2018, we were at a very different place than we are in 2021. That's like, true. We were babies learning out of way. I know, but and now, but the thing is, the Dodgers are still really freaking good. They're as good as they ever sure, been. The same we, every we year. We get that. Yeah, that's they're why, horses. That, that's why we're facing them in the NLCS. All the teams there are really good. Yeah, I don't like it. I want another punchless offense. You, the, the Brewers would have gotten massacred. They gotten swept if they had to play. The Brewers, ha, not not the Brewers have awesome pitching though. They like, do. Their pitching can't great. deny their starting pitching. But and, their offense is whatever. But they have awesome pitching. So like for us to have faced that already is is huge. It's great training. It's kind of like how I felt about when we beat the Reds last year in the wild card round. Reds had one of the best rotations in the game. Yeah. We found a way to win. Yep. Um, I think that set us up for success. And when we got to the NLCS, unfortunately, we know how that, that wound up. But um, I think another big thing is that Travis Arnaud doesn't have to catch every day. I really like that. And, you know, as long as you have Freddie Freeman, anything can happen. There we go, Graham. And Freed and Morton, you ride those guys any day of the week. So hope it's the Giants and then take advantage of it. Because if it's the Giants, we got a shot. I think we have a shot either way. Fair enough. All right, Adam. Enough Braves talk. I'm sure everybody needs a break. So get up, stretch your legs, crack open a fresh one, and listen to this nice ad from our friends from DraftKings who have partnered with our podcast network, the Pigskin Podcast Network, with an exclusive offer for new folks looking to sign up. DraftKings, it's a, it's a great offer, but you have to use... A nice little promotional code to get this great deal on DraftKings. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. You know, Graham, the last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. I'd agree, Adam. But there may be a contingency here where Sportsbook isn't available in your state. However, if that's the case, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Fantasy Sports Contests. There are contests for literally almost anything on DraftKings. MMA, NASCAR, golf, baseball, football, soccer. NBA's coming back very soon. Um, League of Legends, East, other esports, whatever the hell. Disc golf? I think disc golf is actually coming on there. On the fantasy podcast, the fa- daily fantasy stuff I listen to, I oh. think disc golf is coming oh, I'd, to, to DraftKings. I'd get soon. into that, Bo. I, there's, it's just a rumor; it's not confirmed, but it's. I think it's coming. Uh, I've been playing DraftKings for seven or eight years. It's a lot of fun. I got my ass kicked last week, but you know what? I'm coming back for more, Adam. I know I, there's a chance that I could win, and I believe in myself and my ac- my sports acumen. So I'm coming back to DraftKings this week. We'll see if anybody else out there wants to come to DraftKings this week with this huge, huge offer. Uh, for DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TPPN 
this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Question mark. Graham, maybe. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. All right, Adam. Thinking about the Falcons now. They seem like such an afterthought after this uh, insanity that is the Atlanta Braves. The 2-3 and three Falcons, baby. Could be 3-2 and two if they had beaten the uh, Washington football team. I'm telling you, this was such a fun sports weekend, like I was starting to say. But like it was like the excitement of watching that Braves win at intern ex-intern Jared's house. And then he invited us back for the Falcons game the next morning. Boy, that was rough. 9.30. So I was responsible. I went home early. I got a good night's rest. I ran over to ex-intern Jared's house. Good Lord. I I did none of those things. I got got there exactly at uh, 9.30 in time for the national anthem where USA really, really overshadowed England's anthem, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, I was ready to watch some Falcons uh, Jets, baby. God, what a horrible packed matchup. house. Yeah, it was a packed house. Uh, Falcons win at him 27 to 20 off strong play from Matt Ryan, 342 yards passing, two touchdowns. Cordell Patterson, once again, went over 100 total all, all purpose yards. And we finally got the breakout game from one Kyle Pitts, which was critical in you beating me in fantasy football this week. Nine catches, 119 yards, one touchdown. Looked like an absolute freak out there. Lining up all over the field, on the line, at wide receiver. Finally becoming the guy that we thought he could be. Well, we say finally, and it's only... It's only five it, games it, in the season. The expectations were just so great for him. Ridiculous. But like, after this game, he is now on pace to have the second most receiving yards for a rookie tight end uh, behind the great Andy Reid. No shit. Yeah. I know Andy Reid was a tight end. I thought he was no lineman or something. No, no. Yeah. He was... Yep. So it's just like... This was it. He had those nine catches on only 10 targets. And, like, with Calvin Ridley being out, we needed this so bad. And this was the Arthur Smith offense we've been waiting for. Like, everyone was getting involved. Kyle Pitts had nine catches. Patterson had seven. Tajay Sharp had four catches. Hayden Hurst had four catches. We got to talk about his fumbling yes, problem. Yes, we do. My boy Lee Smith had three. Zacchaeus and Blake only had two. I don't want them having more. Then they're four targets a game. I don't trust them at yeah. all. They they clearly need to be four and five receivers. Eight, but eight different receivers with a reception. It that it was just beautiful and like you can tell Matt Ryan is getting so much more comfortable in this offense. Um, the offensive line is protecting him too on passing downs. No sacks. No sacks. And, and this is the first time this has happened. I wonder what the last time it was. I would like to know, but we're not going to tell you because I I doubt you know, and I don't know, or do you know? Oh, I thought you were talking to the user saying, I doubt that you know, and you're oh, pointing to the mic. Oh, oh, sorry. I was... Oh, no, I certainly don't right, know. Right, yeah. No, like, I don't know either. That's, that's not something But I this is know. something I've never seen before. Matt Ryan not getting sacked. Um, great game by Matt. Um, I know I was against the Jets, but the Jets have a good... I think they were like fifth or sixth in the league in sacks coming into the game, so good job by the offensive line being able to hold up and give Matt the time he needs to pick apart this uh, subpar secondary for New York. Yeah, I mean he he's honestly the last two the last two weeks his uh, pro football focus grade has been over ninety two weeks in a row. Guess how many times he had a that grade under Cutter? 
Zero. One time. One time in two years. Dirk Cutter's just such a backwards-ass coordinator. Yeah, but, the but, offense is just much more free now. And, and I can't remember if it was Arthur Smith or Matt Ryan that said it, that like at this point, like in their relationship, they're still learning each other. Uh, they're like 70% comfortable with each other at this point. And that's great. Well, if you're 70%, imagine what it's going to be like if it's even 80. Yeah, so the Matt Ryan haters have been pretty quiet the last couple weeks. And you could see in this game like the difference in rolling with Matt Ryan, who's still he's only 36, versus taking the rookie quarterback, what this season would look like with Zach Wilson. I mean, he was, he was rough. Well, yeah, especially with a team. Well, you know, either way, the Falcons aren't competing for shit this year. But you two know, and three, baby. Yeah, two and three. We're alive. Yeah, we're still alive. It looks a hell of a lot better than one and four. Um, yeah, I mean, you could say what you will. I think it depends on the rookie. Um, but I imagine Matt Ryan adjusts a lot better to new offense than the rookie does, just because of his experience and uh, pedigree. Uh, Cordero Patterson, another great day. We talked about him. Defense did a pretty good job, Adam, holding up. We actually got a, an interception. Got a couple of sacks, one from legend Jacob Tuyote Mariner, and then Ogundajay got a sack. My boy. Yeah, your boy Ogundajay was all over the field. The rookie out of Notre um, Dame. Even I, when he didn't get to the quarterback, it was still uh, it was still nice. He had two quarterback hits on the day. He's about to be unleashed, man. So, like, Stephen Means is still getting way too many snaps. Uh, he's a grizzled veteran. He played with Dean Pease in Baltimore for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah. And he's mentoring up Ogundajay. And uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more of these rookies. This was the first week we saw Richie Grant get any extended time. He was our second round safety pick out of uh, UCF, mm-hmm. I believe. That like we were just perplexed. Where's the second round pick? How has he not seen the field? How does he not know the defense now? And as you were talking about last week, I guess it's a good thing because he looked ready. Like he was kind of forced into play because of some injuries, but uh, he looked really good. He had a, I remember he had a huge huge hit uh, open field tackle uh pass deflection as well so it's it's good to see these young guys making some strides yeah Jalen Hawkins who's another uh pick this year I think right yeah last year last year either way he's a relatively new player got an interception uh first interception of the year for the Falcons um it was just a nice game like it wasn't a, a good a great game by any stretch of the imagination in terms of like watching quality football but in terms of just enjoying watching Matt Ryan carve up a defense. I haven't been able to sit back and really just watch that. And he hasn't really been able to get back in the pocket and do that in a long time. And you see what he can still do if he has time in the pocket, even without his number one receiver. Had a hell of a day. Yeah, he's missing his, his top two receivers. Oh, yeah. And Gage has been out for so long, I forgot he's even on the damn team. And then the the big – I mean, it, it got close, of course, at the end. Right, because uh, it's Atlanta. Two brutal fumble well, – Hayden Hurst – what the hell is he I, doing? I don't trust that guy right now. He's like the Adam Duvall of uh, football. So he, he had two fumbles, lost one, fumbled the other one out of bounds, and then Mike Davis had a big fumble as well that allowed New York to get back in it. But this time, unlike last week against the football team, when we needed a drive to put the game away, first play of the drive, 39-yard bomb to Pitts. Like yes. Arthur Smith said, I learned my lesson. We called him out for that last week, too. I mean, that's what I love about Arthur Smith. He's, like, very open about, like, you know, I'm still learning things. I, I'm, I'm not going to, like, every bad experience, I'm going to learn from it. I'm not going to do the same thing again. Perfect attitude. Yeah. That's, that's all I want. And, we, yeah, I love just not being, like, with Washington, very conservative, gave, you know, the offense back the ball on a day when our defense was terrible. 
takes a different attitude this time, opens up the field, is aggressive. Um, really liked seeing that. Um, and it probably wasn't what New York was expecting either because we kind of, we were sort of stagnating a little bit, and uh, it, was, it was a great call. I also loved, and Arthur Smith said the same thing as well, the way we finished that drive off, three-yard Mike Davis run where he was basically, I mean, he was hit after one yard, and then the entire offensive lineman was just pushing, and he's like, that's what I want my football team to be. Yeah, that was a, that was, they looked like a unit there. Yeah. Um, one, one mission. That was beautiful. The, the thing we really got to clean up, this is like the base running, these damn special teams and the the punt, the kickoff returns in the second half are killing us. Woof. Yeah, third quarter, it's like opening kickoff, touchdown against Washington, damn near a touchdown against the Jets. Yeah, so they, I know they tried out a few players this week, and they were all like special teams guys that yeah. have been in the league for a while to hopefully address that but yeah like that was that got the jets back into it just like it i mean it pretty much lost us the game against the football team yeah um so hopefully they can clean that up but you know overall graham you got to feel pretty good about the direction of this football team right now all we wanted was positive progression this year and we're we're seeing it we're seeing it on both sides of the ball and um you would like to win the game against against washington but you know what that's the only brutal loss of. I mean, it's it's so nice though, Adam, not to be in a position where it's the second week of October and you're and you're, and you're out of it. We're not in that position oh, for the five. first time yeah. in like I think two years, if not longer. That's all I've wanted all year, Graham. Yeah, and we're getting it. So good start, I'll say. I'm bummed they don't play Sunday. Like this is the worst time to have a bye. This is too early in the season. Yeah, and that's what They're, sucks about the London game. It's like you always get a bye. But, I mean, I think you need a bye after that shit. Flying which which isn't true, though, because Miami and Jacksonville play in London this Sunday, and then we get Miami oh, next week, well, well, which is good for us. F me, then. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is good. And the Dolphins are really struggling. So, bye this week, Dolphins next week. I mean, you got a, you got a good chance to potentially beat them. Um and try to even your even your record. So hats off to the organization right now. I mean, it's hard to get too high when you beat the the Jets, but you also can just tell in terms of beyond the win loss column, the team is making progress, and that's all we can ask of them right now. Yeah, they got the, the running attack going, 108 yards rushing. We'll take that. Yeah, it's still not great, time. but it's like it's okay. You know, the Jets rushing attack is terrible, but we held them collectively to 64 yards, um, which is great to see. And um, really limited them. Really limited them on the receiving end of the ball too. Yeah, no receiver. They got more than forty-five yards. Um, so good overall game for the Falcons. Rest up, re-strategize, refresh, and we'll see what happens against the Dolphins next week, which I believe is in Atlanta. I don't know for sure, but um, yeah, good stuff. Got to clean up the punting position as well, Graham. I know that's a big thing for you, Adam. It is. I mean, it's a big thing for anybody. I I agree. I mean, the punting has not been. Do you deny that field position is not? Oh, it's critical. Absolutely critical. So so after our rookie goes out, I mean, it's one of the reasons we lost to Tampa Bay. Dustin Colquitt shanked his first punt as a Falcon, and uh, he had two punts for a 28 yard average. Yeah, that ain't gonna cut it, Graham. Not ideal. I mean, Colquitt has been playing since Moses wore short pants. He's been around forever. (laughs) Let's see when Dustin Colquitt started playing the NFL. Since 2005. I mean, he's been around crazy. forever. He's, he's punted for 13 years for Kansas City. Um, yeah. So, and he, he only played one game last year for Jacksonville and only – or no, one game for Jacksonville last year, five games for Pittsburgh. So, he has not been a starter since 2018. He's probably not the answer. 
uh, at punter? No, I don't think he's the answer at all, Graham. But we got to – so special teams, we got we got to tighten some things up there. But you feel good about where the direction the offense is going? Yeah. And, um, you know, defense still needs some work, certainly. But I like seeing Richie Grant over um, other safeties. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I, if these young guys are ready to play, we want to see them and, and get them this experience, especially if they might produce better than the veterans. But yeah, Eric Harris is not the future. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, that's about all I got for the Falcons. Unless you have anything else you want to touch on? No, I think that was it. But I, I was a a happy Adam, very happy Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah, after the Braves and then that happening so, for sure. Good on the Falcons for keeping the good vibes going, and uh, we'll we'll get back into them, I guess, next week previewing the Dolphins. And you know what? Next week is also Graham. Believe it or not, we got to do our Hawks season preview. Next week, I is, think that next episode is going to be about four and a half hours. You thought uh, Lord of the Rings was long? Oh Can't yeah, see nothing yet. We'll be in the middle of the NLCS. Uh, yeah, opening night, Trey versus Luca, October twenty. Oh, that's the first game. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Yep. Next next Thursday, that's crazy. Normally, we're like just need 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 the Hawks to come back because the Braves are out of it, and the Falcons are dead in the water. Oh, and seven, yeah. yeah. So, but like the Hawks are kind of an afterthought at this point, but uh, they won't be for long. I'm no. very, very excited for the Hawks season. Yeah, a pretty pretty good time in Atlanta sports. Right Great now, time. Man. Great time. No. Yeah. Well, folks, I think that wraps up today's Atlanta's own. We want to thank you guys for joining us again. We really appreciate it. We hope you're doing well out there. Um, until then, until we we meet again, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. House of Town of Soap. Ask Thomas it.